This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey, welcome back to Yolitics here. We're in the, uh, the lounge in Wheeler's basement for this episode. <laughs> it kind of um, feels like a basement. Yeah, it does feel like, yeah. Do you have a basement? I don't have a basement. Most houses in Texas I don't think do. Do they? Oklahoma does. Yeah. I, I don't think Texas does. So this is not Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't have basements either, Daryl? No. It's not a Just thing. Kansas. Just yeah, Kansas. Kansas does. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so let's get to, uh, we're, we're going to forego, because of Thanksgiving, we're going to forego the calories that might be involved with uh, a Texas craft beer. Yeah. Wheeler doesn't need it. And no. Yeah, you probably and close that up so they can't see anything there, Wheeler. Haven't done the exercise either. What do you mean? Why are we closing this? Well, Oh, okay. The, yeah. the belly was sticking out a little bit, but uh, I'm never- sucking in too. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, let's get to it, man. We're talking about Senate Bill Four, so th- th- we haven't concentrated on this bill, even though there's been a, a lot of news coverage about this. Uh, this is the bill that that passed the fourth legislative session. Republicans in the House, Republicans in the Senate, both passed this. This was a, a priority of Governor Abbott's. This essentially lets state and local police pull over anyone they suspect of being in this country illegally and take them to court and get a court order and, and ship them back to the country from which they entered. Yeah, and, and the reason that we haven't uh, done much on this is because we're pacing ourselves, because really this is the beginning now. Uh, because, you know, it's been debated, it's been talked about for a long time. It's been a, a priority of the governors for a long time, a priority of Republicans here in this state for a long time. But we're pacing ourselves because just now the bill is getting to the governor and then that's when the real thing is going to happen here where we're expecting legal challenges and so forth Uh, because if all of this sounds familiar you may be thinking of arizona a decade ago uh you know did a lot of similar things has it been that long yeah it has been that long the show me the papers law that they had uh their texas now has its own which made it all the way to the supreme court before and it didn't fare well there uh and so uh, you know there's an expectation here that we're probably in for a long-haul legal battle again so if you've been watching this in, in the headlines, you, you know the, the passion that we saw and heard from Democrats. We're going to talk to uh, one of those Democrats on the program here in just a moment, uh, uh, Chairwoman Victoria Niave Criado. Who went viral. Dallas. She went viral. Armando Wally from Houston went viral. A number of people, Ramon Romero from Fort Worth, a uh, number of these people sharing really personal stories, um, you know, really showing the human side of, of, of the lawmakers that we don't often see. Mm-hmm. No offense here. But we don't we don't see that a lot. Uh, but it, it it was interesting to see that um, w- with this issue that they're they're clearly passionate about. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let's talk about uh, you know why why Republicans are doing this now. And, yeah, and, and Governor Abbott. You know, as we said, this has been a huge priority of his. Uh, he you know keeps on calling the legislature back for these special sessions, Fourth and this one. was one of his big priorities on this. He finally uh, got this past the finish line in both chambers uh, w- with uh, overwhelming Republican support. Um, and so he was at the border recently. Um, I don't know if you saw that, but he was endorsing former President Trump for a second term now. 
Uh, and uh, he, when he was there at the border, you know, he, he basically, he's put a lot of political capital into this of his own. And of course, this is a big uh, item for the Republicans uh, going into the 2024 elections. Uh, and he sort of laid out his thoughts about the border and why the state has gotten so involved. Yeah, and, you know, for 20-something years now, almost 20 years, I would say, that anything to do with immigration, the borders, has been red meat for Republicans. And Governor Abbott, Donald Trump, others see that, and they really feed on that. That's why the governor is down there. But you talked about Arizona, how the, the Show Me the Papers law down there did not hold up. Um, we were talking to State Senator Paul Betancourt, a Republican from Houston, and I, I asked him in another interview for another program we do, Inside Texas Politics, Shameless plug there, Wheeler. Yeah, um, I, I was asking him about, you know, well, what's the point of this if, if you know that, that, you know, immigration law is something handled by the federal government, why is the state even doing this, going through the motions? Obviously, next year is an election year. It's a big deal for him to do that. Um, but he said that we're going to test the law. Take a listen. This, this is the entire soundbite. This is a real conundrum. What do you do when the federal government walks away from building the wall, but really walks away from enforcing border law? And that's what happened. Is this bill being passed to, to test that theory about whether the states can have any say on immigration law? Well, in my opinion, the bill's passed because of uh, effectively the federal government has obligated their, all their responsibilities. You've got to have a legal immigration system. And if Texas has to step up and challenge all this, we're going to do it. So let's see if, if the Texas law and Governor Abbott signs it. If it does stand up in court, it's going to a more conservative court. In, in D.C., if it gets that far, um, who knows if it gets to the Supreme Court, but if it gets that far, the justices are a tad different now. Yeah, let's bring in uh, someone who's sitting here in our basement room with us. It's not really a basement, <laughs> but it looks like one. Uh, Feels like one. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, Representative Victoria Niave Criado, who uh, represents Texas House District 107. Uh, that includes parts of Dallas, Mesquite, and Garland. Uh, this is your first time here uh, at the station with us. Yes, and I'm excited to be here. We've Zoomed right before. It's always yeah. better in person. You know? It yeah. is. Uh, so welcome uh, to the station. Welcome to our basement here, our podcast basement. Um, I, I want to touch on something that Senator Betancourt just talked about there, and that is testing this Arizona law that we keep talking so much about from a decade ago when the U.S. Supreme Court came out and said, uh, Arizona, you've gone too far here. You, you know, you can't essentially uh, you know, patrol the border yourselves and you can't essentially create your own, you know, immigration enforcement there. And they really rolled it back. They left some in place, but they really rolled it back. You've been saying uh, all along in this process that that's what Texas is doing. They're testing the waters again because the court has changed in those last 10 years. That's right. The Senate Bill 4, we know that Governor Abbott is trying to see how far a state can go to enforce immigration law. And that's something that falls within the purview of the federal government, not states. And that's what the Arizona case said. So there are numerous cases we saw out of, y'all remember the Farmer's Branch rental ordinance here that was also enjoined. Um, the Texas, some of the arguments that we heard in the Texas House are similar to the arguments that were made by Farmer's Branch. And so it's just, it's very clear to us. So we wanted to ensure that the testimony showed that, uh, you know, what's happening here. And that's really just trying to violate the supremacy clause, like supremacy clause 
laws is clear on. And, and explain that because I don't know how big our, our legal audience is here. Yeah. So essentially, the federal the, our constitution is a supreme you know law of the land, and so federal court there, there are certain areas of jurisdiction where the federal government um, legislates, and that immigration is one of those areas. A right. state cannot deport, is not supposed to deport, and that's what Texas is trying to do right now. Not just create these sweeping immigration laws that question even American citizens about our citizenship can be questioned under this law, but now it gives a local department even the power to remove is the language in the bill to really deport. And so um, it's just seriously concerning and we know it's clearly unconstitutional from our view, from the voices of so many former immigration judges have raised their voice across the country. And so uh, we wanted to fight this tooth and nail. And we, and I will say, I, you know, we've defeated a lot of the anti-immigrant bills all session long. This has been something that as chair of the Mexican-American Legislative Caucus, we're the largest and oldest Latino caucus in the country. And that this is not only where we're trying to move bills forward to uplift our Latino community and, and, and our community in general in Texas, but really we were on the defense a lot. And it took the governor getting to the third and fourth session to like finally pass some um, anti-immigrant bills, well, unfortunately. How, how soon do you think something's going to be, we have to wait for the governor to sign this to physically make it a law, uh, but, but how soon will, will a, a lawsuit be filed? I've seen the ACLU threaten to, to file something. Armando Wally, uh, Democrat from Houston said, uh, state rep from Houston said that he expects there to be something filed too. I, is it gonna be pretty quickly because there's a 90 day window, a 91 day window before it takes effect? I, I anticipate once the governor signs it that there will be suits coming forward. LULAC has also announced they're going to file suit. So, and in the meantime, what we, you know, we met with several, the Mexican consul here in Dallas, as well as 11 Mexican consuls from across the state. So in partnership, we'll be putting together informationals and um, town halls across the state to educate our community about the impact of that Senate Bill 4, as well as the Senate Bill 4 that was passed in October that so the governor just signed. So you're planning sort of an education blitz. Yes, we have to. It's 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 concerning. There are lots of questions, people reaching out to us. There's fear in the community. Same similar fear as we saw when Senate Bill 4 was passed back in 2017, which was my first session, by the way. Um, Ex explain that one just briefly. Yes. And interestingly, they're all SB4. Why, yeah, why are they all SB4s? No, I don't <laughs> I don't know, but um, Senate Bill 4 in 2017 was a sanctuary cities, a show me your papers law back then that essentially similarly empowered local law enforcement to question people about their citizenship. And so- And you're um, a Texas representative and that one affected you personally. Yes, I, I, I'm a daughter of an immigrant as are many of our, we have lots of mixed status families in the country. My dad came over as an immigrant um, with a sixth grade, sixth grade education. He also had a dream for a better life and he's a citizen now. He's very proud to be an American wow. citizen, but he, I worry about him. Um, I worry about our like family members. We have undocumented family members. You worry who, about yourself. You carry papers. I, I, I do. I, I carry my passport uh, with You're a me representative. since 2017, but I saw the fight that we had in case, uh, you know, I need to show and prove that I'm a citizenship. I do, even though I'm a representative, because I know the fights that we had. And even I know that lots of individuals can relate to ha knowing which cities to drive and not drive through because you may potentially be 
pulled over based on the color of your skin. This doesn't just impact Latinos, it impacts our black community. Our Asian community really spoke up as well about, um, you know, the concern about language barriers if you're stopped by law enforcement and you can't, you try to explain that you're a citizen or you have legal status. That's why these bills are so extreme because it pits neighbor against neighbor. It is now, you know, requiring people who are here working hard, whether you have papers or not, to now prove yourself and be subject to deportation. But you uh, expect, okay, so so let's say here, um, you know, that's talking about a previous bill, but, you know, let's get back to these these newer ones here. Let's say that these go into effect. Let's say they went into effect tomorrow. They're not going to, but let's say that they do. Uh, this new law goes into effect. What do you think is the bottom line change for people across this state and for the border. What does this do? I, I think it's going to create devastating mass-wide negative impact and fear in our community, people not reporting crimes. We saw a, um, that happened after the last SB4 in 2017. People were not reporting crimes to law enforcement. So, and because they're afraid if the cops show afraid up, of, the cops might yeah, ask for your own ID. Exactly. So even domestic violence centers, I have this local sexual violence task force with subject matter experts. We do a lot of work in that area. And they would tell me we have immigrant women who don't want to report to the police about uh, domestic violence cases because they're afraid. Um, and. I had town halls back in 2017 with hundreds of parents worried about if I'm driving down the street or going to the park, I have a broken tail light. what happens if I'm now separated from my child? We had attorneys volunteering to help people fill out paperwork, and that's what we're going to be doing again to try to calm the fear. Law enforcement has worked so hard since 2017 to rebuild those relationships. We ask so much of our law enforcement. We ask them to be mental health counselors. We ask them to be liaisons for our homeless community. We ask them to do so much and now we're asking them to be immigration officials it, you know it's it's they already they they really do not have time to enforce and this doesn't include training this does not include training it doesn't mandate and immigration is very complex like it's 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 a complex area of law that an, an officer would not be able to easily determine whether a person is a citizen or has legal status. And that's the other problem with the bill. It's not clear, it's very vague, and it's another reason why states shouldn't be interfering in federal immigration law. So back to what Jason was asking, SB4, this is a 13-page bill. When this is signed into law, providing it's not immediately, you know, not struck down, but, but, but put on hold because of a TRO, what will this physically do? Will it allow police in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Tyler to stop somebody for speeding and also ask, are you here legally? Yes. If they suspect that you are, I don't like to use this word, but it's in the bill, the word alien. If they suspect under the federal law, if you don't have legal status, if you don't have VACA, if you don't have that, they can then arrest you until you prove that you you have legal status, which could take months. They will jail you. They cannot release you on probation. And then you, you have the option of either being deported right away, signing a paper in front of a magistrate to be removed. And that local law enforcement can take you to a port of entry. So that here in Dallas, that would be DFW Airport, or they could take you to the border and take you to a port of entry on the border. And, and so when you get stopped, if you were to get stopped by police, you'd give them your, you would give them your, your insurance and your driver's license and your passport? If, if, if that officer if asks, ask. yeah, and you need to prove that, if, if they suspect that you are here, that you illegally entered, 
not through a port of entry yeah. is what the language of the bill says y then you mentioned carrying your passport have you done that since 2017 yes do you, do you know other lawmakers other officials who do this i i don't know but i i mean i have since then because that was a very very tough fight and we knew what was happening and um yeah let's say you, you didn't have your passport one day and you get pulled over and they ask you for this and they don't believe your answers are you saying that you think that there are going to be cases where we will have people who have full citizenship here who will be yes. taken into custody and yes. started through the process yes. just because an officer has a suspicion. Yes, and we presented that evidence to the committee and the author of examples where several hundred American citizens, even by ICE, have been wrongfully arrested and deported. There are some, there are even settlements. And so when we get into like the immunity provisions of the, there's, there's, this bill is just so extreme that it will capture American citizens as well. And, you know, why should we as Americans be questioned about our citizenship when we have a right to be here as well. Do you expect police agencies in Texas to enforce this, state and local police? I'm, so, I believe many of them will if this law goes into effect. Um, we're hoping that some will not, but we really have to look at the interplay between this bill and a bill that was passed, I believe earlier this year on requiring, like not allowing, do you remember the DA bill where they said like certain DAs, yeah. like you have to enforce. You have to enforce state law. Right, so we have to see how this bill ties into that bill and if they're gonna be required to enforce. But, but isn't it up to the police officer when they're there to, to it's officer's discretion, right? Yes. To ask you or to, to cite you for anything. Yes. So, so it, at the end of the day, it, it would be up to the officer and then up to the local district attorney whether to prosecute or not, right? Yeah. So I'm ho I'm hoping that there are, that this will not be weaponized against our community, both citizens and non-citizens alike. We're going to hear about a lot of this from local officials, too. I mean, you chair the, the Texas House Committee on County Affairs there's going to be a cost to a lot of counties because the state is not saying, hey, we'll reimburse you if you, you know, pull these people in and we expect you to do that, uh, to take people in, maybe put them in your county jail. We're not reimbursing for that, are we? No, no. And that's part of the issue that Dallas County, there, there is some, there's been a request for reimbursement and that, that is, a, I will say that's a little fuzzy on how much they would be. But one of the big issues that Dallas County testified about or raised and other counties have raised is the cost right you don't have enough gel space our gels already have you know are crowded right now yeah. where if you're gonna arrest potentially hundreds of thousands of individuals where you have to hold them you cannot release them until they've gone through the process and then after that they either um, they're either deported or they, they serve the time depending on what level of crime that they are charged with because you also have the illegal reentry mm -hmm. um, provision which impacts not just it impacts people who even have legal status but th if they were deported in the past if you're found here in texas can be arrested so if you were deported 20 years ago you came back you've been here for 20 years mm -hmm. you've gotten your citizenship you've done things the right way yes. and you're taken into custody you can be locked up yes they, they could see that on your record from 20 years ago yes there are no affirmative defenses to protect an individual in that part of the statute and you say affirmative defenses that that means is a, a defense that you can use and i think that the defenses are what three or four of them if you're yes. a daca recipient uh if you were brought here as, as a child right. um and if forgive me i don't have that up right here in yes. front of me but there are, there are three of them if believe, you have right? lawful status lawful or status yes. or asylum seeker that's yes. the, the third one too yes 
Um, we talked about you know the, the police reaction to this. I, I want to talk about the the lawmaker reaction to this. Um, there was a clip. I don't. I can't remember who recorded it. It was a, a state lawmaker, I believe, from North Texas, uh, of one of your colleagues, Armando Wally, which I mentioned on here, the program a little earlier. And this was on the House floor. Um, was this the third special session or the fourth? Third. This was the third. I want to play this clip real quick because th this shows the the passion and the humanity uh, around this argument. Y'all don't understand the shit that y'all do hurts our community. It hurts us personally, bro. Could you just let us it hurts it. us. Just, just let us debate it. It hurts us to our fucking core. And y'all don't understand that. Y'all don't live in our fucking skin. Y'all don't, man. And that's what pisses me off. I sit there, I've been a good fucking soldier to him. That's right. To my own fucking detriment. That's right. To my own detriment. And to cut off debate when all of our members are trying to have a debate, a, a civil debate. Nobody's gotten, nobody's gotten crazy. We're just trying to have a debate. Representative Wally there uh, told us afterwards that he does not regret anything he said on there. What was your reaction to that whole thing? Because his would just happen to be captured, but I'm sure that everyone was kind of feeling the same thing. Yes, I, uh, we have his back. I think his reaction um, showcased the, like we take this personally because it impacts so many of our families, our constituents, millions of people across our great state. And um, what happened right before that was that Republicans were trying to limit uh, amendments that we could file on this bill and cut off debate essentially, which we also dealt with again we dealt with the motion to cut off the debate. And they were trying to essentially cut you out of the legislative process. Right. And if and if we're elected, then stand up here and debate your bill. Like you, we, it's Senate Bill 4 in 2017. We were there till the wee hours of the morning debating the bill, trying to mitigate the damage of the bill, get amendments on there, have the debate about it. And the fact that they wanted to cut debate off before we even started was just a slap in the face to the legislative process and to the institution Yeah, itself. talk about how different that is for people who don't really watch what the legislature it, does. It, it's it's abnormal, it, it, extreme deviation from normal legislative process. We normally, you know, whether you like a bill or not, you get up there and you debate it. If you, you, there may be amendments to try to change language in a bill. And that's part, that's what we were trying to do, address the numerous um, issues with the bill through amendments and put it up for a vote. And they tried to cut that off before we even began. Yeah, and that's where you went viral uh, and, and, and stepped up to the mic and, and I'll let, you know, Whitely translate it, but you basically told them uh, you don't have the cojones to get up here and defend your own bill. You know, why are we even here if we can't have debate? You know, is, is what you told them. You don't have the cojones, Jason. You know, for our non-Spanish speaking. Well, well, I don't. I don't members. speak Spanish. What does that translate to, Wheeler? I think I can say it. Uh, you don't have the balls. Yeah. You don't have the right. balls to defend what you're what you're doing is what you were telling them. I didn't realize that went viral, but <laughs> it did. <laughs> thanks for telling me. Um, I, I, you know, I Do you regret that at all. No, I don't because we are elected we, to defend and fight for our community. And, um, you know, if, if, again, if you, if you are elected and you cannot stand up here and defend it, no matter how long it takes, no matter if we're there 10, 12, 14 hours, you do what it takes to elect, to, to represent your constituents. And the fact that they couldn't do that, they're cutting it off again, 
and I think I mentioned in there, like they're cutting off our feet. They're cut, they're trying to silence our voices. Um, th- yeah, they they didn't have the the courage. I will say now they didn't have the courage to to stand up there and fight for what they believed was right or answer our questions that we had. Mm. What, what what is it like? in the back hall there once you guys get off the floor i mean are you talking to your republican colleagues you guys are all friends or a lot of you guys are friends but how much talking was there on on these days when this passes so so i think the texas house is very different than the u.s house so even though many of us do not see eye to eye on we at least have the respect to be able to talk to each other like uh, through bills we've seen a I will say we've seen a big change in the last few years since I've been there of members who are not of that mindset, not willing to talk to the other side. But I really think to like build better policy, we have to be able to talk. I need to get an understanding of yeah. where you're coming from so that we can improve policy because we're impacting millions and millions Does of Texans. Does that still exist though? I think it exists to a large uh, part, but we're seeing a big change with some of the newer members coming in. But after you told in. them they didn't have the balls to do this, what was that like backstage? Ba- in the back oh, line? nobody's told me anything about none of None of my co- Republican colleagues have told me anything about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I think we, we have to rightfully call them out when you're deviating from the process, when you're not willing to debate a bill of massive you know, consequence for millions of Texans, and you can't even, uh, you know, why why are we there if not to debate law? What do you say to people? I mean, we, we've seen polls here in Texas, and we've seen recent polls nationally even, where this is a top concern for voters to do something about the southwest border. Uh, you know, we've seen numbers coming out that showed, you know, in October, the apprehensions, I think, were down from the month before. But we've been seeing record numbers of apprehensions at the border. What do you say to people who go, hey, we've got to do something because this is it's it's not working what we're doing there? I agree. We need to do something. And as chair of MALC, we have members that represent all different parts of the border who have provided various solutions to try to address some of these issues. Um, we One, we need comprehensive federal immigration reform that we've been waiting on for decades and we call on our federal counterparts. That has to, to be Congress. It, our U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate to do something to... Well, they haven't under multiple administrations they're they're not I yeah mean, and they're and, right. and and they have they haven't done enough right. and they need to and um, but there are technology solutions that can be put in place Mexico is the largest trading partner for Texas they produce their partnership produces 466,000 jobs just in Texas alone uh, meeting with the Mexican consuls they're seriously concerned about the trade impact the workforce impact here in Texas we have a labor shortage you know we need um, either guest worker programs or something to give people legal status so they can work here with papers because our industries need it there aren't enough workers period and so that's that's also driving a a lot of individuals to come to our state because we're we need them to we need them i, I didn't think about that but you, that's why you're talking to the, the the consul generals from mexico and there are 11 in texas I, I there re- were 11 at the meeting there i don't know how many total okay mm-hmm. but there are uh, say that again there are 466,000 jobs m- jobs in in texas that are that are directly tied to 
Mexico. Yes, directly tried to trade with Mexico. Uh, the Mexican consul just tweeted it out um, like a day or so ago. And so, yeah, and that, that supports. Uh, when we had the, the governor stopped or put the 100% inspections on those. Right, which um, failed, on which the did stop. <laughs> the 18-wheelers, the it was a huge right. backup. Right, that's like a huge backup, huge economic um, yeah. impact of worth billions of dollars in loss to Texas because they put those, they slowed right. those trucks down. If you could put one fix in place, though, at the border to to bring about, I guess, a more orderly system there and 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 keep this from becoming such a mess uh, that has developed over decades. What would it be? We need humanitarian assistance to the local groups that are there, and we also need more dollars for the um, processing facilities to be able to process a lot of these asylum seekers. And those are things that have to be done at the federal level. The state has helped some of the local um, groups in law enforcement, but like the the groups that are providing the humanitarian aid need it as well. Do you think this new law, though, will stem the tide there at the border? No, it's not going to. It's going to result in like mass incarceration. Imagine job sites here in North Texas or anywhere across the state where ICE, local law enforcement essentially can act like ICE and do ICE raids at workshop, at workplaces, whether it's a warehouse, a restaurant, like a local law enforcement, if they wanted to and had the basis or reason to believe that individuals there illegally entered under the law can go and arrest individuals if they have the probable cause or reasonable suspicion. Is that going to happen? Yes, that's that's our big concern. That's why we're like trying to raise the alarm about about that like neighbors will be pitted against neighbor imagine you know we know the individuals who don't have certain individuals who may be racist and call the police if you have because they're mad at a neighbor and Mm -hmm. say and will call them to come and say oh they might be here illegally that sounds like racial profiling yes absolutely will result in racial profiling we we saw it after sb4 and we're going to see it again um Chairwoman, here's my last question for you, and that is the implications of the ballot box. We've all seen the legislature get more conservative over the last decade, session after session, regardless of what it is. Democrats still can't seem to get traction to the ballot box as this state legislature gets more conservative. Why not, and what's it going to take? So actually, after 2017, there were 55 Democrats, 95 Republicans. After they passed that bill, we gained 12 seats, um, 12 Democratic right. seats. And so um, it, it, it actually narrowed. Latino vote has been increasing substantially throughout the last few years, which is why we think we also see some of these voter suppression bills uh, trying to impact you know, language access at the ballot box, yeah. for example. Um, so our numbers are actually rising. I think after their last redistricting cycle, we saw really the dilution of the Latino vote to make those districts more Republican. And like the record was clear, even here up here in North Texas, congressional districts, state Senate districts that were the Latino vote was diluted so it's 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 i mean we see what's happening i think it's just a fear of of the power of the of the people really in our state but republicans are very bullish even down in some of those border counties right now they're investing a lot down there they feel like they're getting a lot of traction with latino voters and and i think a lot a lot of folks are for us as latinos a lot of folks think oh well they're going to go with one party or another uh for us it's about you know 
making sure that we're talking about the issues that impact our community. Our Latino community cares the same, you know, just as much about their kids going to college, about being able to open up a business, save for retirement, buy a house. Like those are the same issues as as all groups really in our state. So um, I I think both parties have a lot of work to do, but the Latino vote is certainly increasing all across the state. I have one last question, and it also relates to the ballot, ballot box. Uh, this obviously is something that will excite the base, the Republican base, going into a, a crucial election year in 2024. Will this, could this also put a damper on some Democratic support in this state? Do you see the potential that you might have voters who they have papers, they have citizenship, but as you said, there's a lot of fear who think I'm not going to go to a poll because I might be questioned and I don't want to I don't want to go through this. I, I I anticipate and I hope that the Latino turnout will increase just as it did in 2017 when they attacked our community back then and people are angry about it and from the conversations I'm having with folks about what's happening um, and these like constant attacks by the Republican Party unfortunately on our Latino community the the other Senate bill four from the third special session where they impose a 10-year mandatory minimum for um, driving somebody who's undocumented to the grocery store it's eviscerating judicial discretion um, is also something that has angered a lot of individuals and it it, again it doesn't just impact the latino community it impacts um, anybody who has a relationship with undocumented family member or worker and driving them to the work site or you know it's it's they're just extreme policies that folks are fed up with and i believe that we will see an increase at the ballot box all right, uh, Victoria Niave Criado, she is the uh, chair of the Mexican American Legislative Caucus, chair of the uh, Texas House of Representatives County Affairs Committee, and state rep representing part of uh, East Dallas County, Eastern Dallas County? Yeah. Mesquite, mm-hmm. where else? Mesquite, Garland, and Dallas. Mesquite, Garland, and Dallas. Thanks so much for the insight and uh, the great soundbite about cojones. I don't know the last time <laughs> cojones was ever said on the floor of the Texas House, but it has been said now. I think it's the first time it's ever been said in our podcast, too. Uh, I think it is. <laughs> and right. with full translation. Uh, yeah, provided by Wheeler. <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Representative. <laughs> Thank you. We want to zoom out and look at things nationally now. Uh, and we've got uh, U.S. Representative Joaquin Castro, a Democrat from San Antonio, on the line. Uh, who feels very strongly about this as well. There's been lots of talk about legal action. Have you spoken to anyone at the Department of Justice or at the White House about when and if the DOJ is going to take action here? Uh, We've let the White House know that we're going to be following up, uh, sending a letter over to the Department of Justice and to the Biden administration, asking them to do everything that they can, uh, seeking an injunction, for example, and otherwise trying to stop What I believe and others believe is a law that's going to lead to serious racial profiling in Texas and really harm a lot of people Uh, and not just immigrants or foreign nationals, but Mexican-Americans and others uh, who are American citizens as well. You have reached out uh, to the White House uh, on this. You've sounded the alarms on this. You see very closely, obviously, you have a front row seat as to what's happening here in Texas legislatively. So you've reached out to the White House and said, hey, you guys need to you know, get on this. Department of Justice needs to be fighting this after it's signed into law in Texas. Do you get the sense, though, that the urgency is grabbed by the other end when you sound those alarm bells on this? How closely is this being watched in, there in Washington? 
Yeah, I think the administration of the White House, the Department of Justice are watching what's going on in Texas with great concern and great alarm. Uh, I do hope that they will act urgently to seek an injunction or otherwise take legal action to stop these racial profiling laws from taking effect. Uh, you know, I was concerned when we, a group of us wrote over a year ago, asking for an assessment of civil rights violations under Operation Lone Star, and we still have not received that. Uh, so I hope that there will be more urgency in this case. Why do you figure that you haven't received that? The border just seems it seems so easy for Democrats to to get a hold of and, and eliminate the Republican talking point. But it doesn't seem like that the, the White House is doing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason, I, I, I honestly I can't answer that. Um, I I'd have thought that there would be some response by now yeah. on Operation Lone Star. And that hasn't happened. I, I don't want you to respond for the White House. I, I was just throwing that out there, uh, Congressman. Let me ask you about realities for this. When the governor signs this into law, it takes what, 90 days for it to go into effect uh, after the end of the legislative session. What do you expect it to physically look like on the ground in this state and in your district there in San Antonio? Well, well let's give some context to this for a second. Uh, as you all know, within the last month or six weeks, uh, the most powerful Republican PAC in the state of Texas that contributes to all the statewide office holders, a lot of state legislators, met with the most notorious white supremacists in the United States of America. And so to me, this is who's been setting the agenda during the special sessions in Austin. So we end up with the kind of legislation, this racial profiling legislation that we've got now that the governor is about to sign into effect. So you ask the question, what do I think is going to happen? This gives the ability for every law enforcement officer out on the street, uh, the Dallas PD, the Hugh PD, the Callan PD, and so forth, and county sheriffs and deputies and so forth, to basically become immigration enforcement officers. Now, some of those folks are going to decide that that's exactly what they want to do. And the people they're going to target are more likely to be folks that are speaking a foreign language out on the street. Uh, they're going to challenge them, ask them to prove their citizenship. Uh, probably you know, people that they think look like immigrants, that tends to be darker skinned people, brown skinned people, and so forth. And part of the challenge that we have here is that you know, most of us don't carry around proof of citizenship with us. I don't carry my passport with me, for example. I don't carry my social security card with me. A driver's license is not necessarily proof of citizenship in the United States. Uh, and so People are going to see their citizenship, their very right to be here, a question. And some people might say, well, what's wrong with that if the person is not supposed to be here? Well, wait a second. It's not just going to be people who are not supposed to be here that are questioned. You're going to have a lot of American citizens who are going to have their citizenship contested and challenged. Some of those people drag down to police stations if they can't provide that, that documentation right away. So that's what you're going to start seeing on the street. Congressman, uh, you, you know, we don't know yet, of course, if the, the Department of Justice will heed your call here and immediately jump in and try to get this thing stopped in the courts. We do know, though, that legal action has been promised by some different groups, uh, you know, once this uh, is signed into law. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because the last time and we've talked about this, the last time this went before the Supreme Court was, you know, a decade ago. It was the Arizona case. Right. Uh, this law has a lot of similarities to that one. And by and large, the Supreme Court rejected a lot of those uh, state laws that Arizona had passed, those measures that it had passed. 
what's your what's your take on this court now though this is a much more conservative supreme court than it was a decade ago what are your thoughts about this do you have fears that this will get stamped through uh, yeah i mean look obviously i'm concerned about how this court is going to treat it um it, the Arizona law is very similar to what's been passed in Texas now, and that was struck down under the Supremacy Clause. The idea that the federal government is the government solely in charge of immigration enforcement and that you don't want to have 50 different state policies around the country on immigration. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope and I still think that the Supreme Court will ultimately find the Texas law is unconstitutional, particularly the one we're talking about where you go and challenge somebody's citizenship and you can take them down to a police station and so forth because you think they have no right to be here. Um, so I think they'll be found unconstitutional. Uh, but really, I think Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick don't even care about that. They're just this is just a proof to them, to their voters, that they are going hard right, that they are extreme on this issue. And for their political purposes, they don't need to win the court case. That's all they really need to do. You mentioned a moment ago, Congressman, about not carrying your passport. I don't carry mine. Most people don't carry theirs. I was surprised uh, earlier in, in the uh, podcast here when State Rep. Victoria Niave Criado says she carries hers around now because she doesn't want to you know, fall victim to, to this law or to anyone questioning that. Are you going to change your own personal uh, uh, stance on this? I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but no, probably not. You know, I'm not going to carry my passport around. Uh, you know, I'm worried, guys, about, uh, you know, people's parents who are who who's, right. are only speaking Spanish or, you know, or you got like a you know 75 year old man, uh, my, my mom's age, who only speaks Spanish. And if an officer questions him or a, a grandmother, they don't understand what's going on. And so they become suspicious to that officer. And, you know, most police officers, I think a lot of them, they would be fair and they'd understand, OK, you know, just because you're speaking Spanish doesn't mean that you're you're not a citizen or you have no right to be here. But there will be others who will abuse this law uh, and people will end up being abused because of it. And that, that was my next question is, is whether you think the police will actually enforce this. You, you said you suggested you think it might be selectively enforced by, you know, police here or there. I think so. I think it's going to be selectively enforced in certain areas of the state. Uh, I think in the heavily Spanish speaking areas, the Hispanic areas of the state in particular, the Rio Grande Valley, in places like El Paso, but also in the very diverse cities of Houston and Dallas, uh, both places where you've got not only uh, heavily Hispanic populations, but also you take Houston, for example, that's got a Vietnamese population and, you know, Southeast Asian populations and other groups that are there. Uh, and I think they're going to be impacted as well. Congressman, Republicans have been blaming the Biden administration for the crisis at the border. Uh, of course, uh, as we all know, uh, this has been the failure of many Congresses over the years to enact sure. uh, immigration reform. It's been talked about a lot. It just hasn't been done. And, you know, you'd have folks here in Texas who might say, what else are we supposed to do? This isn't being fixed nationally. Uh, you know, they've been busing some of these migrants to other cities and states, and just that fraction of the number of migrants being sent there has really put a strain on those systems. What is Texas to do in a case like this when, when it's facing this many people coming to the border? Does it have a role to play here? They're willing to spend billions of dollars can you think of a better way for this state to spend those billions of dollars and actually make a difference at the border? 
Yeah. And look, I don't blame people for their frustration. I mean, I'm frustrated because we came close to passing comprehensive immigration reform that would have avoided a lot of what we're seeing now in 2013, 2014. The Senate passed it with flying colors in a bipartisan way. And then the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, refused to put it on the floor for a vote, even though it probably had the votes to pass. So a lot of a lot of the tension, a lot of the issues that we're seeing now, some of those at least could have been avoided if we had passed this in Congress 10 years ago. But here we are today. Uh, so what Texas could do is support cities like Del Rio and Eagle Pass and El Paso and McAllen and Brownsville that are trying to deal with this influx of migrants. Uh, and you know, and basically it, it is overwhelming them and affecting their budgets. Uh, and yet very little of the money that Greg Abbott is dedicating is actually going to the cities, is actually going to help. Uh, he has insisted on doing everything through the state uh, with DPS officers, for example, who are not trained for immigration enforcement, uh, who don't have the expertise in the communities that they've been sent to. So I think the first thing the state should be doing is to help its cities, to help the cities of the state of Texas in what they're dealing with. Congressman, my last question for you, of course, we're waiting to see what happens legally with this, when something might happen. The ACLU has threatened a lawsuit. Others have as well. We don't know what the DOJ is going to do. But what are you telling your constituents? Look, I mean, I, you know, I have said to them that uh, I disagree with these laws, that I think they're the product of a party that has gone from self-deportation to build a wall to now you listen to the rhetoric, invade Mexico or strike Mexico. Uh, the border is used as the number one boogeyman by Texas Republicans and Republicans across the country. And they have gotten to a place now, they have evolved to a place uh, where it is going to affect not only migrants, but also U.S. citizens, American citizens, uh, people who have a legal right to be here. Uh, and look, the frightening thing for a lot of people is that there was a history of this uh, back in the 50s, for example, where you had something that was called Operation Wetback where you had hundreds of thousands of people, if not more than a million people, who were American citizens of Mexican descent that were deported to Mexico, uh, a foreign country for them. Um, and there are shades of that in what Texas Republicans are doing now. Congressman Castro, my final one for you, that dovetails perfectly into this. Governor Abbott, of course, made this a centerpiece of his reelection campaign. He won. Uh, former President Trump has made this a centerpiece of his run to reclaim the White House in 2024. In fact, Abbott was just there endorsing him uh, recently there at the border. Are Republicans winning on the messaging as far as exciting their base goes. We don't hear much from Democrats about the border, at least you know, not at the presidential level. Is the Biden campaign going to have to take on this issue and come out forcefully in some way or another? Um, because Republicans are making this a big issue going into next year. And, yeah. and, and polls show that people are yeah. concerned about it. Sure. No. Um, you know, the Republican Party and the Texas Republican Party in particular really has no positive vision for the state of Texas at this point. They don't have a positive vision for fixing broken schools, for fixing a healthcare system where we have the highest percentage of people that have no healthcare coverage at all, for fixing a broken juvenile justice system. So in lieu of a positive agenda to actually do important things for people, they play on fear and resentment and they stoke people's anger. And I will concede to you that this people, this issue gets people upset, that, that it creates resentment against other folks. 
no doubt about it. And that that resentment can move people in the polls one way or another. There's no question about it. But we shouldn't be fooled that Republicans have any idea about improving the lot of people in the state of Texas. Um, this is strictly using the border as a boogeyman, using these migrants as basically political scarecrows to get votes. But are Democrats going to have to come out and, and lay out a vision, do you think, going into 2024 when it comes to immigration? Or is it something they can afford to not focus as much on and maybe go after other issues? Uh, well, ultimately, look, that's up to Joe Biden and the folks running for president. It's certainly an issue that I have not shied away, shied away from in my conversations. Uh, but I do think the Biden administration has talked, for example, about making sure that people can apply for asylum from their home countries and other places, uh, working with Central America and other, other countries in the Western Hemisphere to try to stem the tide of migration. And then ultimately, there's a longer term solution that hardly ever gets talked about or especially worked on, which is you've got to help build up the, the economy and the security of the nations that people are fleeing from. Uh, people have to believe that they can have a safe, opportune life in these countries. Otherwise, you're going to continue to see migration the way we're seeing now. Whether you build a wall or you don't build a wall, it's still going to be a challenge. Yeah, that, that is the root of the problem indeed. Congressman, always good to talk to you. Thanks for the insight. Thank you, guys. All right, so, you know, so now we're waiting to see what happens legally on this because a number of, of organizations, ACLU, Department of Justice, as as we just discussed with Congressman, Congressman Castro there, too, a number of people are interested in challenging this new Texas law when it is signed into law uh, by the governor. Here, here's the thing that strikes me. This is all about race. Let's talk about race here because that, that's the elephant in the room. What if you're pulled over, Wheeler, by uh, you know someone who wants to see your identity? What are you going to do to prove your citizenship? What are you going to do? <laughs> I, I would have nothing. I mean, I don't carry that with me. I have my license, but that doesn't prove that doesn't my prove citizenship. citizenship I don't know. I might have to like get you on the phone and vouch for me. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't have. I don't carry my passport around yeah. like Representative Niave Criado does, which is extraordinary. You know, again, a, a Texas representative feeling the need to carry those papers. But should you though? I mean, should I? Yeah, should you? If, if when you know when this becomes it's law. It's a funny thing. I don't think that many people are mistaking me for being, you know, in the country illegally. Um, but I will say, I used to live in Miami, and you know, people there would start speaking very fast Spanish to me, and they thought I was from Venezuela or yeah. you know something like that. So it is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and so yeah, I I I wouldn't have papers. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I mean, just in the conversation with. It's something to think about, uh, though, because it's something absolutely. I never do think about. And and that's why we had the conversation today, uh, you know, because this this is going to be a consideration for a lot of people in this state and not just people who are undocumented. It's absolutely. going to be a, a yeah. thought for a lot of people who have full citizenship and have their whole lives. Much more to come on this one, but I'm glad we finally tackled this subject. Well, again, you know, we're pacing here because uh, this is where the battle really begins. Uh, it's not the legislature. It's what happens in the high court, in the U.S. Supreme Court. And, you know, this has been decided before, but, you know, that's what people thought, too, uh, about Roe versus Wade. And many, many years later, this much more conservative court right. turned all of that around. And there is a thought that we could see that happen with this as well. And that's why uh, this is such a big issue coming out of Texas. Thanks, as always, for listening to Yalitics. We appreciate it. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we appreciate that, or listening to us if you downloaded this episode. Thanks, as always. Hope you had a great 
uh, Thanksgiving, and we have a couple fun episodes at the end of the year we're going to be putting together. Wheeler's not involved in those, fortunately. That's why they're going to be fun. That's why they're fun. Exactly. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll have Wheeler involved in some form or fashion. But thanks as always for listening. We appreciate it. Okay, y'all. The conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.